Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And welcome to the Chronicles of Nannia, a nanny resource podcast made for nannies by me, a nanny. I am your host, Martha Reddick, and this week we are going to be talking about a very exciting new book written by Alex Hyam. Hello, Alex. Hi, Martha. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to have you here. Um, the book is called Silent Lee and the Adventures of the Side Door Key. And it talks about um, adoption and children who have been adopted and are, are searching for, for answers about their past, right? That is a theme, yeah, a strong theme in it, along with a, you know, a sprinkling of magic and some other adventures. Oh, I love it. <laughs> well, great. Before we talk about that, let's hear a little bit about your background and what led you to write this book. Well, I guess, number one, lots of children, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, I'm currently raising with my wife, Deirdre, um, two girls, nine and 14, and um, when I started writing, they were respectively a couple years younger. Mm-hmm. So my uh, my lead character, Silent, is um, is uh, fifteen. So you tend to sort of read, I think, or write a couple of years up from the kids, and as long as you keep the adventures appropriate, they they like that mm-hmm. aspirational, right? Yes. And, um, yeah. And uh, I actually have five kids at all. I had some children when I was just out of college. And um, so I've read out loud a huge number of books to, to kids, and I've written quite a few. And um, yeah, I, I don't know if you want me to talk about my my own family background and, and being yeah. adopted. Yeah, yeah, I would love that. Well, um, yeah, my my family was my was constructed, I guess you might say. <laughs> we were all adopted, um, four of us, in a, in a, in about three years. So we we're quite close. And I have a twin brother who was adopted with me which is nice when parents are willing to do that. I gather it was a surprise. They didn't do, um, what do you call those, uh, imaging techniques, you know, um, they can, back then. So I didn't know that until rather late in the game that my my parents' first adoption was going to be two, two oh, baby wow. boys. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I gather there was a lot of scrambling to, you know, get an extra crib and take Just, some. Yeah, and double everything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, but, uh, uh and in those days, adoptions were sealed, so it was an interesting mystery, you know, where you're where you're from and 
you know, and there's a, although we had a good family that brought us up, I'm always curious and I did some research later and recently in my life. So, I, you know, this mystery about, you know, adoption is a theme. I realize this in a number of the stories I write for kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and the other thing I think of perhaps germane to, you know, to a, your audience or, or uh, and a lot of my readers is that uh, it just by happenstance, I, I'm, I'm, um, you know, from a, 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 I guess, call it white family, you know, from Boston, but, but I'm, I'm, I'm now been married for, ooh, I should know this, uh, um, <laughs> 12 years to my wife, and, and her family's African-American, and um, she grew up all around the place because her dad was in the Air Force. But uh, So we have uh, uh, these girls who, who are looking for characters they can identify with in stories and and so i i wrote silently as um like my older daughter sadie as a mixed race you know girl who um, you know presents as african-american or people ask her you know wonder who she is sometimes and so there's some of these identity issues that we often have to help our kids with i think it's it's interesting and fun to weave them into stories you know in sort of positive ways yes i completely agree um so if a nanny is working with a family um, who has adopted children, what advice would you give to the nanny to help uh, support that child uh, through, you know, it, it can be a journey of of finding out and, and coming into knowing that you're adopted and then and then the journey of, well, where did I come from? Yeah. Well, it's interesting. So, I mean, I have the perspective of having grown up in a family where, you know, my parents were advised, I think, you know, it was just coming into vogue, the idea that you don't keep it as like a, quote, dirty secret, but that it's presented as a positive thing and just a fact. And you tell your kids, we adopted you as they're growing up. So, so there isn't a sudden, you know, discovery. Right. Oh, my God, I was adopted. You know, why didn't you tell me? Were you ashamed? You know, what is it? You know, so... um but I think you have to talk with the parents about that and say, so yeah, how do you talk to your child about this? Do they know they're adopted? Do they know they're, is it open adoption? Do they know who their birth parents are? Do you, you know, how much, you know, what are the, what's the fact base that I work with here? Right. And I think it's good to be just sort of matter of fact about it, you know, and everybody comes from somewhere and, and yet there's a wonderful diversity of, you know, origins for us all. And there's such variety in families both of the kids and the parents and the combinations. And so, you know, sort of put it into the, that, you know, wonderful sort of patchwork quilt of humanity. Uh, but yeah, I'm also, as it turns out, I, I didn't really mention this in, in my background, but this theme comes up for um, my, my older daughter, Sadie and I, because she's been with her mom, who was our birth mom. And, but, but uh, she was a, a little teeny one and a half year old when I first mm-hmm. fell in love with her mom. And um, so I've raised her since about two and I did adopt her. Um, which is a wonderful thing. And, you know, and, uh, and, and yet, you know, she's, so it's a bit unusual. She was adopted by one of her parents, right. but, but I'm sure some of your, your uh, listeners are going to walk into families like that and could be from, you know, re- the rearrangements that happen in life. Yes. And so she and I talk about it and, and I will say you're going to get, you know, kids will sort of glom onto anything or, or even use anything that's sort of a, a lever, you know, when they're upset so sometimes she used to shout at me when she was mad. You can't tell me what to do. You're not even my real daddy. You know? Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, so it, I think it's good to have a nice, positive, warm and fuzzy answer. You can, you know, if you're prepped for those sorts of challenges, like you know, uh, you know, um, you know, 
you know, I, I am your daddy. I adopted you and I love you very much. And, you know, um, that's what makes you your dad. It makes me your daddy. You know, there's more than one way to be a daddy or to get a daddy. And, um, you know, and, and a hug. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Definitely that connection is super important in those moments. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we have a very close relationship. It matters not that she's adopted, although it it makes her a good editor for my work in more than one way because she does love to read my work or have me read a draft chapter out loud and give me feedback. Oh, so, that's wonderful. So she and I have both talked about silently in her background. You know, yeah. Yeah, and is silently um, somewhat based on on her. Yeah, I, I, quite strongly. Um, you know, even down to sort of having um, you know, her her sort of tween attitude. You know, she's <laughs> <laughs> she kind of uh, uh, can come on strong in ways that I think are great. You know, because like a lot of I don't get too much into the story right now, but but like a lot of I think sort of uh, heroes in these teen, you know uh, middle school to to YA. Stories, you know, the, the, there's a there's a there are problems that the adults have either caused or aren't solving, and the kids have to step forward, mm-hmm. you know, which is really what a lot of the storytelling is all about. You know, it's kind of helping them come of age, I guess, through these these stories and role models. But anyway, you know, so what? So I think giving Silent Lee a lot of Sadie sort of uh, attitude and you know um, and uh, and independence has been great. Yeah. Yes. And I, I think, you know, in the 80s, especially in movies and, and TV, there was just the parents just weren't <laughs> around. Um, yeah. And that was kind of their way of dealing with that. But I, I have found because uh, I read quite a bit of um, young adult fiction um, mm-hmm. with I kind of do book clubs with my older nanny kids Um mm-hmm. Or not even book clubs, just they say, will you read this because my parents <laughs> won't or my other friends aren't yeah. interested. Talk to you about it. It's great. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, and I have found that now it's um, it's less that the parents are, are just absent and it there are these other obstacles that come up with the parents being there for children in the various ways that they need um, to present these obstacles. Or the parents are super supportive. Um there's also that <laughs> where yeah. sometimes the parents are so supportive that the kids are like, wait, let me figure it out. Yeah. I love you so much. I'm just going to smother you with attention, you know, and, you know yes. tell you yeah. how to be successful just like me. Yeah. Well, um, those are, I mean, I think the stories are getting maybe a little more realistic, mm-hmm. even if they're fantasy, the challenges of the interpersonal stuff may, may ring true or maybe an exaggerated version of what you've got to do or deal with in your own family as a kid coming up. Yeah. 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 Well, and it sounds like you are um, a, a really involved and an active father, but in some of these, especially older stories and culturally, there is this stereotype of the the distant or, or non-involved father. Um, and I, I do think that that's shifting culturally. Um, but have you, have you found that to be challenging as a father to work against those, those stereotypes? Yeah, I think it is. And as a writer, you know, yeah. and, um, uh, oh, I will just say silently does not ever in the first book find out who her dad is, I have a plan and she's going to meet him. And it turns out he was actually being helpful at a, somewhat of a distance, but he doesn't know that he's her father. So I have kind of reproduced that distant parents thing and her mother betrays her, the, her adoptive mother. She discovers at the end of the book, it wasn't really her mother. Oh, wow. So I have a kind of a fun secret that actually perhaps 
the great aunt who's raising her, because it doesn't involve time travel back a century and stuff, might be more of a central in her life than she even realizes, just to put a bit of a teaser out there for the yeah. second book. But but so she's a, a kind of an example of a girl who's, who's got a very one very supportive, close, loving figure in her life who raises her as a great aunt generous. And um, I have got a quirky sense of humor. I guess it's dad humor, but so everyone in that family, their last name is Lee. They they, they have this way of the names turn into adjectives. So you silently or adject, adverbs, I guess, silently, generously, oh, and some great. other relatives and cousins like I mentioned. It's you know, I think it's great to have chuckles with you, with the kids as you're reading with them too. Uh, but um, no. Uh, I don't. I haven't really put a dad like myself in. I'm very hands-on as a parent, uh, so I don't know why not. You know, I, I guess just like as an, I think the author should step back, you know, and and not put him be be all about himself when you write these books for kids. So right. maybe that's why. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, do you have any advice for for caregivers or nannies mm -hmm. to help support that father's involvement in? his children's lives? You know, I guess one thing that's hard for kids is to understand that everybody has strengths and weaknesses. And, you know, it's easy, especially if the kids get a little older and getting into like the, the, the reading range for, for, for this book, you know, sort of if they love good stories. You might read this out loud at like, you know, seven, eight, nine, and they might be reading it at nine, 10 through, you know, 14 right. um, selves. But um, so in those years, they're, they may be annoyed with their parents, but I think, you know, the caregiver can ask, you know, can think about and observe and both and ask, you know, we know, you know, questions that focus on, you know, the strengths the parents have. Like, so I also do illustrations. So with my younger nine-year-old, just before I came to do this interview, I was helping her get the drawing of a face right that she wanted, which was quite frustrating. But, you know, but, so, but I can do that because it's something that I'm, I'm good at. And then um, and she wouldn't go to her mom for that. She'd go to me because she knows that I'm an artist. I try to share that with her, bring her to my stuff. And with my older daughter, I taught a writing class for her. And um, at her, um, she was a homeschool this last year, but but we used a center that, you know, that runs classes four days a week. Mm. And so I actually went on staff there to teach creative writing for the year because she said, can you teach me plotting? I, you know, I'm struggling with how you develop the plots and finish a story. I said, how about I do it for through North Star Center, you know, not um, not just one-on-one -on -one, because that's kind of hard at that age. So we had a wonderful time and she ended up kind of being my my, my facilitator, you know, and, uh, and and letting me know when I was droning on too long and we should get on to the next activity. Yeah. But that's so a long way of answering, but I feel like, um, you know, for, for me as a dad, the things that, that I can bring to the table and share with them that they might initially not want to like look to me as, you know, being helpful on something because what do your parents know? But, you right. know, if you're <laughs> something and have some experience with it, do find a way to share that as an activity. Take them kayaking, you know, not on the whitewater, but right. <laughs> where, you know, if that's what you do or, or rebuild a bike or, you know, whatever it is, you're, you know, you, the, 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 the dad loves. And then also just, you know, as a dad, I got to say, I, you know, I've got two daughters, you know, I don't need as much talking about feelings and hugging as my girls do. Right. So I can forget that I should just do that. And like when they, when they're crying and have a problem, I don't need to tell them, you know, what to do. I can just sort of be a sympathetic listener. This is the men are from Mars, women are from Venus. <laughs> thing, right? Yeah. But it, you know, I think we can all help dads remember that with the, with their kids, you know? 
Yeah. And I've also noticed even, you know, with myself that sometimes just when I'm talking, I tend to use female pronouns when talking about Mm -hmm. caregiving. And so just something as simple as, as switching that to male pronouns sometimes when you're talking about a general idea of caregiving. Um, Well, the pronouns thing is fascinating and the assumptions we make. mm -hmm. Uh, So, um, uh, my, my, my daughter Sadie keeps telling me to use they or do the gender neutral pronouns if, if I'm not sure or if there's no reason to make a gender out of it, trying to retrain me, you know, and I think that's yeah. been so, yeah. Yeah, it is. It's a, it's a, um, it's a good thing to retrain your brain, <laughs> but it's yeah. hard. It takes a lot of work and, and we also have to be gentle and kind with ourselves, um, because when you're when you're retraining your brain, it's it's a lot of hard work. <laughs> yeah, and which is perhaps you know a nice reminder that you know growing up is a lot of hard work. And, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah their kids are constantly <laughs> um, yeah. putting things in in different under different microscopes and filters and looking at them differently. So, yeah, keeping in mind that that they're pretty consistently doing that hard work of trying to make sense of the world and and to challenge our own uh, stereotypes and habits, I think, is a, is a really good thing. Um, yeah, I guess, yeah, putting that out there and you know, doing it on your sleeve and not hiding it, you know, yeah. Since you're role modeling, um, you know, uh, how you're still learning and correcting and or improving your, your reactions, yeah. Yeah. Um, which speaking of you, you created really strong, non-traditional female protagonist in your books. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, what can a caregiver do in everyday life to help encourage young women, especially, but really all kids to, to be strong and, and celebrate their differences rather than seeing that as a minus. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, well, I guess it's it's interesting to think about the way that, that characters develop in, in books. You know, in, the, in a good book, you don't say, you know, you wouldn't say open up and saying silently is a strong character. You know, that's going to be discovered through how she reacts. She's going to be given some sort of adversity, you know, put into a crisis or a, just a small problem or whatever. But um, so the and um, and I love how the feedback I get from Sadie and, you know, her compatriots in the writing class when you know and, and other kids who I I redo at schools or whatever they love those scenes where the character or main characters are facing a challenge and at first it's not clear how to do it but you know we have them take a constructive approach and determined approach and they keep trying till they get it so you know really that just tells us how all character is developed not just in novels so um you know I think I mean, I think everyone should have, family should have a nanny because they may have the time to focus on the kid more sometimes than the busy parent who's rushing home from work to make dinner or whatever. Yes. And uh, so you can think, what good challenge could could could, could this um, this child be facing today? Maybe they, uh, um, you know, are ready to try to make, uh, you know, whatever, chocolate chip banana muffins off of an internet <laughs> recipe. <laughs> Yeah. It's a pretty big challenge, and it even has serious hazards. You know, are they going to take the mitts and they're old enough to pick up the pan and put it in the hot oven, or do you want to help them? How do you define the limits of the challenge? It's a good experience. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, 
that's how I would think about it, just like a, an author does in developing a character. Right, and I, I think that that's an excellent reminder of um, making uh, choices as a nanny to to let the kids try and and potentially fail at something. You know, I, I always tell my kids they can say it back to me verbatim, you know, what's my number one job is to keep them safe. Um, mm-hmm. But within that, I think that, yeah, letting them <laughs> – Maybe the muffins don't turn out well because they skipped the sugar step, or I don't think that's the step they would skip, but um, <laughs> or well, the ba- the banana step, you know, like that would be a pretty big thing to or miss. Or they put in the the, the amount of uh, of baking soda that should have been sugar. Yes, know. yes, exactly. Measurements were incorrect, and and yeah. um and letting them uh, experience those natural, pretty low stakes in the grand scheme of thing consequences, uh, I think is is really important because it does help build that character of, okay, you know, these these muffins don't taste great. What what are what are we gonna do about that? Um, yeah, and you know, and maybe you have the foresight to have had to make a half recipe and save, you know, the other half of the ingredients off to the side. And if you have the time and then, you know, cause they're going to be motivated to find out like, you know, what went wrong. Right. It's nice to end, end with a success or maybe, the, maybe they're old enough. They can say, let's do that again. You know, the next, next week when you have a half day from school and get it right. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. And if, uh, you know, it's now summer break for most kids. So, you have those long days, and what what better than to <laughs> fill them with uh, with time to to fix mistakes and or you know experiment and see where the day takes you. You know, as you say that, I, I get to thinking that, that most schools and teachers aren't really able to sort of um, tolerate a lot of failure. Right. You know, failure is bad there. So it would be nice to flip that over and go, you know, let's sort of bungle our way through summer, getting better through experience, you know, and laughing about it as we go. And, you know, and, yeah, I mean, that's not bad. Um, yeah. uh, even like letting, you know, if you're going on a little trip somewhere and the kids put the kid in charge of the GPS if you're in the car, or, you know, and and, uh, and yeah. um, give them directions. And, and, and uh, you know, you know your kids, too, and, and that huge variable, are they tired and or hungry, you know, mm-hmm. but they're, if they're, in, you know, in, in resilient and, in, you know, and physiologically in like an up cycle right now, then it's a great time to let them like get you a little lost and then help them figure out how to get out of it or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something that um, my uh, stepdad did for me is at, at airports and things, you know, we'd get there. And plenty of time. And then uh, mm. he would say, okay, you know, you find our gate. <laughs> and, oh, that's wonderful, yeah. Yeah, and then we'd, i you know, go to the map and look and find it. And it, it really served me well in life because now that's not a big scary thing. Um, and when I am maybe running late, I can <laughs> I can do it more on autopilot now because I've been doing it since I was – seven or whenever he started uh encouraging yeah, that's wonderful that. and what an intimidating thing an airport is too yeah right. but to get there early enough that you know he's not uptight so he can he can let you study the map i mean you probably can nail that the first time you know if you're old enough to read a map and 
you know, or maybe a little bit of backseat driving, you know, um, uh, did you notice that the, that, that, that there's, 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 um, you know, terminals A through D and they each have a gate 23, mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah. know, and then, you know, if you're, if they're missing that rather than get all the way down the wrong terminal, but yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's wonderful. And, um, you know, it's so empowering to just have those experiences where you do things rather than just follow instruction or follow behind like a duckling. Right. Right. And also to, um, help, like we were talking about changing our own, um, biases and, and things like that. Uh, we often think of things like that as a chore, but to a a child or children, it's, it's can be so joyful. Um, and so I think that Mm, taking advantage of that. Yeah. I love that, that point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, you know, maybe uh, I'm thinking with my author hat on again, you know, mm-hmm. every every problem that is silent in Rahi, the, the boy she meets down the block and who helps her out, um, encounter is, is certainly not a chore. It's, a, it's an adventure, you know, and, uh, and um, uh, that the idea that, you know, as a nanny, you're often queuing up and, or helping them through adventures. Right. I mean, there has to be some downtime too, you know. Yes, yeah. <laughs> for for I, I, all of our sake. <laughs> like, you know, nine thirty at night when I wish my nine-year-old was already asleep. That I know they're pretty good, but they're a little slower paced, and 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 I know she'll fall asleep on the second chapter. You know, so, yeah. Right, right. But yeah, but the yeah, some adventure every day is so important, and that really is. I think you know the the um the attitudes that we've had toward children and toward. The children we've defined as girls in the pen and historically have have shaped what adventures or lack of adventures we we give them and what challenges and that's why they feel limited when they get older maybe you know and um and so you know you don't really need to you know make any voice any political views about any of these matters when you're working with kids you can just act them out you know and that that you give kids opportunities equally and as fully as they're able yeah. And, you know, let, always letting them know in little ways that you, you know, you, you believe in them, that, that they can, they can rise to challenges. Yes. And I heard when you were talking, um, about, uh, I think the map and, or the, the muffin examples, yeah. um, the way that, that you said it of like, did you notice things like that? And mm-hmm. even those shifts in our language of like, well, take a like look at this that's a little bit more condescending in tone to uh to did you notice i think that's a a beautiful way of of pointing out and i i try on the playground and things to instead of say just be careful because that's (laughs) non-directive and (laughs) not all that helpful um it just says that i don't trust you not to hurt yourself exactly (laughs) um but rather saying did you notice that these rocks are really uh they're they can be hard to walk on and they have some sharp edges what what's your plan Mm. for that um so that they're thinking through it study their environment and 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 and, uh, navigate it yeah yeah yeah. or this bush uh looks like a great hiding spot and i would be tempted by it in hide and go seek but did you notice these these thorns things like that (laughs) (laughs) um i think is such a a great way to help kids yeah slow down and notice their environment um without lecturing or or condescending uh 
to them. So I really appreciated your language there. Oh, um, yeah. You really are a writer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, thinking about the words and the message, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, I guess, you know, I feel like, you know, caregivers are writers too, uh, sort of helping the kids write their own experiences. Um, yeah, I was just thinking as you were talking that last night, I think I'm, um, night before last, some neighbors had come down and my nine-year-old's friend who's nine and her like uh, six, seven-year-old or six-year-old daughter, uh, sister, and um, they were they were running all around in front of my little garden and there was a, a big um, uh, rose bush that I'm very proud of having gotten to grow there. Yeah. And uh, so I did, so I, so I was thinking, what do I say? Because I saw the little one like, you know, chasing a ball almost to it. So then I thought I'm going to ask her, her big sister, does she know what a rose bush is? And like, you know, I got a why. I said, well, because she might not realize, recognize it and we don't want her to get cut up on it. So it's like, so she went and taught her little sister what the rose bush was. Oh. And it's like, well, that worked out better than my saying to some little girl who I hardly know and be intimidated, don't go near that bush. You know, yeah. Yeah, yeah that that is a great story to illustrate that point. Um, and speaking of nannies, you know, kind of helping write, uh, like almost co-author day to day (laughs) living (laughs) with children. Um, you mentioned that, uh, you work with teens to help them write and, uh, make writing exciting at North star. Um, but yeah, so I, I love helping children develop a love for imagination and writing. What, what tips do you have for nannies who are working with, you know, school-age children to help cultivate that love of, of writing and, and storytelling and imagination. Yeah. Um, well, one thing that I think is we discount as, you know, adults and young adults is because we've kind of forgotten about it, you know, is, is, is imaginative play and role play. Mm-hmm. So whether they're picking up some little dolls or little animals or characters or things they're making into characters and having them interact or go through adventures or whether they're doing it themselves. You know, they could be talking about, you know, um, cooking as they're moving things around in the playground or the sandbox. They're often actually directly composing a story that that they or their characters are in. So either they're the author or the director or they're uh, an actor, you know, and they're trying to navigate. You talked about before we started recording some of your background in improv theater, (laughs) Kids do a lot of improv theater, and and it can be difficult, you know, and uh, they may even argue about where it's going, which is can be wonderfully constructive too. <laughs> so, so I just think it's fun to tune your ear in and to help them, you know, uh, expand or you know or, or continue the the play the, the those those imaginative stories they're already creating, or to enrich them a bit. So you might say, well, what if um, what if another you know animal joined in or you found uh they're playing with you know animals and they're, they're veterinarians what if you know you found a sick fox what would you do you know just to get them just to help them enrich their their imaginative play and and then you know and, and there's a lot of interesting you know research too but in child development about uh the correlations between in gross, being engrossed in longer more elaborate play like that where they're they're writing their own plays, basically, mm-hmm. um, 
seeking them out, and um, and later uh, intelligence and success in school and life. So unlike a lot of things that we try to measure, that really has a huge impact. You know, maybe more than when you first read and write. You know, and a lot of things do with school variables. So that's just wonderful, rich developmental play. Just the stuff of future, engaged, bright, you know, successful, good problem solvers. You know, who are going to be great adults, and uh, you know, yeah. solve. Problems that the past generations have left. Uh, then the other thing, though, is to engage them in storytelling. Um, uh, I think it's great to um, to uh, you know do a sort of a give and take, you know, um, uh, stories or to ask them questions. I say, they say, tell me a story or read me a book. Sure, um, but you know, what would you like? Who would you like the main character to be? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, yeah, okay. So it's um, you know uh, a family of uh, you know chipmunks. Well, um, you know, where do they live? And you know and well, are they uh, are they happy and everything great, or is something giving them a little, little worry right now? Oh, somebody's building, uh, clearing the woods to build a, you know, a, a new, um, you know, mall. Grocery store, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know. So how are you going to help them? You know, continue to be able to, you know, they can't get nuts from the woods anymore. So maybe you know, you know, you help them think of of um, sneaking in, you know, at night as the construction's going along and putting secret tunnels into the cement slabs so they can get into the you know, fruits and nuts department once it's done, whatever it is, you know, just interacting with them and challenging them to help, to help compose stories. Storytelling is, you know, the, the first and foremost way that, you know, we share our knowledge and our imagination and our problem solving and our language and, and our, you know, love of, you know, love and, you know, and, and, and values and things, uh, you know, with, with next generation and, you know, people have been doing it long, long before, um, you know, the, the written word. Right, right. Yeah, and there are a lot of um, games geared towards that now of, mm. like, decks of cards that have just pictures on them. So you kind of go along and tell the story and then draw a card and then you incorporate that card into the picture. Or there's a um, one that has a dice that has different story elements on it um so just if you are words yeah yeah if you're if you're feeling um as a nanny a little nervous about doing like a shared story or constructing a story um that might be a good way to get started with that sense of play because i know some you know nannies we've kept our sense of of wonder and play um a lot of us but there can be um a feeling of intimidation um, around that because it's it's really vulnerable work to mm. construct a story with another human. So just be gentle with yourself if if that makes you feel nervous. Um, I I encourage you to try it um, and to model doing something that makes you a little uncomfortable, but uh, but also know that there are things that can help support you. <laughs> Yeah, thank you for saying that because you know I you know I think you know I I I don't mind diving into storytelling you know or acting things out because it's it's my work I do it easily right. you know uh, and I've taught people creative writing but I love and there's some very simple inexpensive you know tools that can help you do that I love the various storytelling decks and and I've I, in fact I've brought them into uh, my my making writing exciting workshops and classes a lot you know and uh, and what's the other thing oh. I've got this wonderful box of like big fat die die dice. What's mm-hmm. the plural? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. But, but they've got words. It's it's for poetry, and they've got that's what it's sold for. And they've got words on all you know six faces, 
And um, and some sometimes with the older, more verbal kids, you know, or, or you know, reading already, you can just you know, you can all pick you know some words and then try to you know turn that into in the beginning of a story, you know, and or or use it for the next pass along the next you know sentence in a story. So yeah, using those tools is great. The other thing is um, you know, if, the, if the, you can read like an opening paragraph from a book and go, so what would you have happen next? You know, mm. that's to use a prompt and and then you can read it and see what the author did and you begin the kids begin to get the idea that well that's what that author did but you know i guess you can go different ways you know maybe they'll become famous fan fiction writers when they get older right yes and i do think fan fiction is a really great tool mm. um to help show that you know because i think sometimes we have this idea that um you have to be a professional at whatever to be good enough to try. And, and I think that's potentially very dangerous um, way to think about the world. Um, doing things just for hobby seems to die out uh, as, as we get older. And so um, encouraging kids to take something that someone else has done and and shift it around to meet whatever needs they they have in that moment um or wants <laughs> yeah. I, I wish the story had happened this way well it can <laughs> you you just have to write it yeah that's so empowering you know it's interesting my 14 year old goes on to a wattpad on her phone and she reads fan fiction and you know there's a little bit of letting go for me as like a parent say well you know that's a lot of those stories are being written by you know you know, kids are maybe five years older and or 10 years older, you know, even and you know, but, but still in their teens and um, or, or very early 20s. And um, and they're maybe not they're editing. They don't have any censoring censorship. So I have to talk about, well, what's you know, which ones are appropriate or is that too sad or whatever? But she finds a, you know, a, a fan fiction piece that, you know, where the author sort of calibrated to what she likes and 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 and, and really enjoys it. And they're kind of and it's raw writing you know which is wonderful too it's like yeah no it's still a good story even if you notice they keep getting you know the tense is wrong you know right, it's okay right. you know yeah because it's about getting it down you know or writing down the bones is sort of that famous um you know uh, or, or uh, you know, there's some book by a woman who does workshops is you know get the bones of the story down is the idea but um yeah i, I like what you're saying and i, and I think you know, then I'm sure someone who's working as a nanny has some of the same challenges we all do as caregivers and that you're not just, you know, doing the fun, the entertaining, the exciting. You're also taking care of the basics. And there might be a younger one whose diaper needs changing. And it's kind of hard to think of whole cloth, a great new, you know, adventure for the character while you're doing that. So right. Right. some right. aids are good. Yeah. Yes, they can be. And sometimes, you know, you're just you're tired and and if your brain yeah. isn't functioning on all cylinders yeah sometimes those uh creativity muscles um get a little worn out so i think it can be really good to to help get it started um with a tool and and you can also write down random words <laughs> and draw yeah. them out of a hat you know you don't you don't yeah. necessarily or like need. different characters like you know what if yeah. you what if Captain Underpants meets you know <laughs> Mickey Mouse I don't know yeah yeah what would that what look like know about yeah I love that um 
Well, wonderful. Those were the majority of my questions. Um, is there is there anything else that you would like to add? Well, I have to put a plug in, and you know, yes, please. For, um, well, uh, for reading out loud, you know, it doesn't have to be soundly in the adventure of the side door key, but you know, if you have a book that you've you know you've, re- you've read their view, or you know you've skimmed it, or you know the author, and and you know it isn't going to go into some sort of waters the kid isn't ready for, you know, they're not going to curse, they're not going to, you know. Uh, be all about teen, you know, angst over, you know, uh, relationships or whatever, uh, uh, you know, then, then, and it's like a good comfy, safe read a journey. You can, you can, you can go on with the kids. I just think finding even 10 minutes on your way, you know, somewhere, if you're on the subway or take a lunch break, you know, at the playground and read a little, I mean, making that a ritual, it's harder to fight, sort of fight back for time for reading and for books in this, in this era where there's so much entertainment that sort of in order to get ad revenue is just constantly being thrust at you and your kids. But reading is, and you know, it's just the magic of the, of, of words that, you know, to read a scene out loud and have, have your listeners imagine it. I mean, that is just, you know, helping them develop in their imagination and enriching their knowledge and their vocabulary in so many great ways that you're not going to get off of, you know, every, all, all the other kind of media. I completely agree. And, and also modeling, um, reading yourself. I constantly have a book with me when I'm nannying. Um, so if there is, if we're doing quiet time or, um, I'm, you know, waiting while they're practicing soccer or anything like that, then, um, you know, I'm watching them, but I'm also, uh, reading a book instead of, of sitting there on my phone, um, I think modeling that behavior is really important. And there's so many good books in the world. And then can I put up just a quick plug in for what's called the middle school, you know, or middle grade level books? Because, you know, if the protagonists are, you know, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, they're in that era where they're not, they're maybe on the way to high school. They're not there yet. Those books, you know, are the classics of, of our kids literature actually. And, um, yeah. you know, Harry Potter was, a um, you know, um, just sort of a middle grade level when he, when, when he, when that, that first book was, you know, in that first book, yeah. you know, so many, um, wonderful classics, uh, you know, in that genre, although it's much smaller in the bookstore and in, and then it's not advertised as much as the YA books, but it's a great genre for, cause you can read out those out loud to the whole, you know, any kid you're, that you're, you're caring for. Yes, yes. The Boxcar Children was one of my personal favorites. Oh, fabulous. Yeah. Yeah, I've read out loud. I didn't read them as a kid, but I read them I read them a lot as a, you know, taking for to kids now. I wish I had, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I'm going to plug the Babysitters Club because <laughs> Oh yeah. That I mean, I'm a nanny. That obviously yeah. had an influence on me. <laughs> they're so well written and fun and the characters are so likable yeah no, they those are, are and they address some really like big issues and um in really wonderful ways and it it showed the importance of of a supportive friend group um and those those female friendships especially because i i feel like in a lot of um movies and tv uh there's this tendency to pit woman against woman <laughs> um yeah, right. in in yeah. this search for conflict um and i and they're certainly you know the babysitters 
club fought within themselves, but it was always um, with a point and and both sides had valid arguments and they worked it out um, together. So yeah, they did work it out. Right. You know, that's the point. And you can. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I love that um, plug for for middle grade um, or yeah, that that idea that it doesn't have to be these, um, you know, high school stories to be interesting and in fact uh you know the late elementary years and then into middle school finding books for that age i think is really important because it builds that foundation to go into high school as a as a lover of of reading which having been a high school english teacher is (laughs) so important yeah well that's interesting you've had that experience and you know that, that there's, there's some deficit there for a lot of kids nowadays yes. maybe i don't know if there was in the past but you know you're trying to you know and they may not be able to read you know some of those classic difficult novels that are on the curriculum yet but uh, you know they can get there by reading you know and anybody can dip into that literature even some of like real old classics like oh, oh uh, harriet the spy mm. if you, yeah, yes. you know that's a wonderful adventure and, and that's still reads or reads out loud well to kids today. Yeah, it really does. And um, I know when I taught high school, my goal was because uh, I had um, the kind of the drop everything and read. We had that school wide right. for 15 yeah. minutes. So I had that during one of my class periods. And um, my goal with that class was that every student find one book that I helped them find at least one book that they connected with. Um, throughout the year. And that can also include graphic novels. Um, there are a lot of kids that are intimidated by a bunch of words on the page, but graphic novels use different parts of the brain. And mm-hmm. so um, exposing them, and there's some really, really wonderful graphic novels out there. Um, the Prince and the Dressmaker is one that I just read that is is very well done and appropriate for children. Um, and... And so in reading, you know, those, they can build those literacy skills to to be able to enjoy the classics if they so choose <laughs> later on. Yeah, I'm so glad you mentioned graphic novels. And I haven't tried to write one, as I am, you know, they weren't around when I was a kid coming up. We read comic books, but um, I think the graphic novels fill that gap much better, you know, because they really develop characters and stories you know, fully and kind of in the style of good novels, but but so approachable. So yeah, many kids, you know, there's going to be maybe a year or two where that's how they're going to get to the, the longer stories and the engaging them in books. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, I think, I always thought about this, but, you know, the nanny can be the librarian, you know, helping guide kids to the right, find that one book they're going to love and or the series and dive into, you know. Yes, yes. And I, I think that that's so important. And, and honoring when a child um, asks you to read something with them, or even not if they ask you if if they're reading something, picking it up and reading it yourself um, is such a, a simple way to to honor that child's love of that book. Um, and then you can talk about it together. And so I do encourage nannies to <laughs> to try out the books that their their kiddos are, are interested in and reading and, and buy them books or go find them at the library or, um, you know, one of my favorite gifts when I am getting nanny kids gifts is books, um, age-appropriate books. Yeah. 
Well, if you're in a town where there's a where there's a, a good library, and many, a lot of town libraries are underutilized these days. Mm-hmm. And they may be not open every day, but but when they're open and the librarians there, you know, no matter how, you know, how stern and looking over their glasses they may seem, you know, they probably can warm up to you know a nanny saying, I've got kids this age and this age, and this is what they're reading now, and they have trouble with that. What could I bring home for them? Yeah. Yes. Yes. And I. Um, I do, I think that, yeah, taking kids to the library and showing them how to go find their Mm. own books. Um, you know, if you're not as familiar, certainly, uh, having them ahead of time is great, but I do think that that's a great day adventure to, especially, you know, those rainy days in the summer, um, (laughs) hit us extra hard. And so, uh, making and that then there's a been a, some flexing of of uh, in the part of most libraries they they realize they're beginning they're coming to realize that like you need a kid section where kids can be kids and they don't always shush you rudely if, if the kids are they're getting a little bit excited you know they'll often have a quarter with a couch and stuffies and some you know uh, trains for the little ones or whatever and I mean so it, it's actually you know getting to be a good it is a really good outing yeah. Yeah, yeah, and you're based in Boston, right? Yeah, I'm actually outside of Boston, although my book is based in Boston, and I grew up there. Uh, um, uh, but I'm in Amherst, which is, um, you know, outside of Boston. It's a college town, so I actually bring, I bring uh, uh, my younger daughter and her friends um, to uh, to the Amherst College Library sometimes too, and they don't so much find books they like, but they'll go they go exploring because it's a cool place. So in a rainy you know, day when, you know, the, 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 if it's, if, if it's a quiet time for the college and the students aren't really in there, I'll let them kind of create a little mayhem playing, you know, hide and seek in the stacks. Yes. That is, that sounds like a great day. <laughs> of course, happen as we get thrown out. So, right. Know. Exactly. Um, in my, at my college, I went to the university of Tennessee and, uh, the night of Halloween, the theater, group all campus theater would do uh, a night of mayhem and it was all things that could easily be cleaned up we weren't you know we didn't do any damage to any property or anything like that but one thing that we would do is go set up like little scenes in the parts of the library that were not frequented very often um of like toys so you know dinosaurs fighting um, and things like that. Oh, that's great, yeah. So then when people did finally get there, they were like, oh, what is this? Um, you know, as you talk about creating scenes and, and, and your experience in theater, something I meant to mention is that, you know, um, uh, there are some wonderful scenes in children's books. And I've actually, I mean, I've sometimes challenged my kids to act out a scene from like Silent Lee or whatever book, you know, we might be all sharing. So, you know, so like, how would you play this out, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah I love that. Uh because then it also connects with, with kids that that do really enjoy TV and movies. Um, you know, how would you, how would you want to see this? How would you act it out if if you were one and of the maybe actors? Maybe you pull out your cell phone if they really think they've got something really fun, and you say, "Okay, run that through again, and I'll and I'll I'll make a video of it. You can watch yourselves acting that out." Yeah. Or um, there's also an app, or I'm sure there's several, but um, of stop motion. Right, and, and so they could do it, you know, with their toys or or Legos. We've done that before, um, creating little scenes with Legos. So that's a fun way to tell a story too, and it's very um, detail oriented. 
so that works, you know, a different muscle too of, of thinking about, okay, they moved their arm this much in the last frame. Mm -hmm. What do I need to do to tell the story on this really detailed level? Well, and it's interesting if kids are engrossed in creating something, their, their tolerance for it and even love of detail is, is, you know, really impressive. Whereas if you're trying to get them to do something because you told them to, you know, they get bored immediately. But yeah, it's sort of the opposite if it's their creation, isn't it? Yes, it is. And and that, um, you know, natural consequences of, of making a mistake, the stakes are really low there, of if they try to move the little Legos through the scenes too quickly, then when mm. they watch the product, it, the final take, you know, it, it doesn't look right. And so then you can go back and, and try it again with with finer movements between scenes. I haven't tried that with my, my girls, but but we do we do some flip books. Oh that's which is cool. Similar parameters and you know, and you gotta move things incrementally page to page. Yeah. In fact we elevated to the point where I ordered a little inexpensive um L E D uh, uh light pad so that you can you can have the, the the drawings you know the drawing below and then put the next one over and see really clearly how you're varying it if you oh, want to do the next cool. parts and then clip them later you know so that can get to be quite a, a big a big deal you know and quite a fine art if they like that yeah, yeah i love that um well wonderful um can you tell us a little bit more about Silently and the Adventure of the Side Door Key? Um, maybe just like a brief synopsis and then where people can find it? Yeah, I'd, I'd love to. Um, so Silently, um, you know, we meet her actually just as a crisis is unrolling. She's raised in a, a Newbury Street in Boston and uh, by uh, in an old brownstone by her great aunt Generous who's a wonderful, kindly, you know, lady and be nice if she were, you know, you know, around to take care of your kids. Right. <laughs> but, um, uh, she, she, we learned that, that she isn't apparently died and that silence mother who probably works for the CIA and, uh, you know, is always away and, uh, um, comes in and very sternly tells her the house has to be sold. It's all being packed up, grab one memento and then go. She has to go live with these distant cousins who, or distant in relationship who live in other place in Boston and who are really not very friendly and make her live in the attic. I guess it's a little bit like, you know, Harry Potter underneath in his broom closet, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, um, so she's in a bad spot there, but she, but, but, but the side door key opens a side door in the Brownstone where she grew up, which leads to another version of Boston in a parallel world. And it's, mm. It's it's a it's what, like what Boston was like turn of the century like a hundred plus years ago and there's carriages there's not you know TV and and um, modern stuff and it's but it's also very magical and she's at a magical school called the Girls Academy of Latin and Alchemy and um, that school is actually set in a house where I used to go for the holidays to my great grandmother so she lived in a house in, in, near the common that you know, is now, I think, broken up into condos and people don't live that way anymore. But this wonderful old mansion with hidden passages and stuff. So I put the school in, in that. And um, and so Silent discovers through a, a message that her aunt gets to her through using magic that um, that her aunt is not actually dead, but that but has been taken to a safe house by the CAA. And they're trying to figure out how to work the side door key and use, you know, the magic of the side worlds 
you know, for some nefarious government thing. Uh, but anyway, so she she has to save her aunt and and to defeat this plot, and uh, that's what propels the narrative. And they have quite an adventure. She meets a boy who she's at first very skeptical of, but ends up being very helpful, and uh, they become friends. And as my fourteen year old says, and I'm, she says, I'm so glad you didn't do like the the you know the typical boyfriend girlfriend thing. They end up being friends, and there's no it's not about you know stereotypes. Romance, you know, they're 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 because they're they're focused on solving a problem, and they're both quirky individuals who have complementary skills. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, I I'm excited to get a copy. Where where do I get one? Oh, no, that's a good question. There's a it's not in that many bookstores yet, but but bookstores can order it if you just remember it's named Silently in the Adventure of the Side Door Key, um, and uh, it's easy to get off of Amazon. In fact, there's um there's a promotion for the Kindle ebook for I think it's for ninety nine cents right now, oh, wow. and um, and you can also just order the paperback. I read hard copies myself, yeah. but that's also you know easily found on Amazon. Wonderful. Well, um, thank you, and I I will include a link to oh. uh, the Amazon. So if you're listening and you're driving and you don't you can't write down. Uh, the name right now and you're worried you forget because you're full of thoughts of your children and all the things you need to do. Uh, I completely understand <laughs> listeners. Um, but the, the link will be down in the show notes. So, so worry not it's there for you. Um, but that is so exciting. I'm, I'm very excited to, to read this story and, um, and learn more about Silent Lee. Well, thank you. And I'm, I've, I've got a draft of the second book now, and I'm thinking about the third. So I would say I'm learning more about her, too, as we go. It's good fun. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's such a good point. It's so fun to yeah interact with, with your own characters and kind of see where they pull you. Right, exactly. Um, well, well, great. Um, so we end each episode with a, a funny, quirky story from... Um, uh, from a kid and Abby from the nanny hood submitted this one um, she said I was ordering us dinner to be delivered and after I ordered food for the boys I asked for a salad for myself with no feta after I hung up the 12 year old boy that I was with asked me what feta is and I started describing the cheese and then he had a look of recognition and said Oh, you mean fetish cheese, not feta. <laughs> oh, that's great. Thank you, Abby, for sharing that story. I, I, I love it, fetish cheese. <laughs> An entrepreneur might run with that one. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. But I can also understand why you wouldn't want fetish cheese on your salad. <laughs> yeah, leave that out of mind. Yeah. <laughs> Well, um, thank you so much, Alex. I really appreciate you taking this time. Thank you. It's been fun chatting. And thank you all for listening. We'll see you in a couple weeks. The Chronicles of Nania is produced and hosted by Martha Reddick. Artwork by Noni Amadon. Theme music by Brad Kemp. Find him at secondbedroomstudio.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Chronicles of Nania and on Twitter at Nania Podcast. To contact us, email chroniclesofnania at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.
show has been brought to you by Machine Culture. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.